You're listening to Wrestling Changed My Life, presented by Spartan Combat. Here we go. And I remember the crowd. I never, ever heard the crowd in my life when I wrestled. It was almost like weird. Like you're kind of in this like trance. It's like you're in your bubble. And, and wrestlers know this feeling. And I'll never forget that I actually heard the crowd. Like I remember literally like, like saying, whoa, that, like I'm, I'm hearing, I heard voices. He's stalling, you know, about me. And I was pissed because I'm going, I'm not stalling. And I was like thinking that the ref was going to like listen to these people. And it was the first time ever I heard things like that around me. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Wrestling fans, it's a glorious day to be alive. You're listening to Wrestling Changed My Life. This is your host, Ryan Warner. And it's a glorious day because Stanford has righted their wrongs. They've reinstated wrestling plus the 10 additional sports they tried to axe last summer. I couldn't be more happy about this. It's huge for the wrestling world. Stanford is not only a top 15, top 20, top 10 team. They're also a bellwether program on the West Coast, and we need them in this sport. So it's a fantastic day. I couldn't believe the news when I saw it, but Stanford has reinstated wrestling. God bless. Our guest today is a New York legend, Nick Garone, broadcaster. He just broadcasted the Olympic trials with John W. Smith. He was an All-American at Old Dominion in 1991 and a New York State champion before that. In this episode, we take you back to Long Island in the 80s, a wrestling hotbed, and then we move through Nick's career. And he is kind of a pioneer in the wrestling business world and is now working with Spartan Combat. Fan of the Week goes to my man, Lax12098. Thank you so much for your review. Folks, I got to say, I was perusing through some of the reviews yesterday, and I'm really touched by all the kind words that people have shared. So thank you for that. Lax, thanks for your review, my friend. And that's it, folks. Let's get to the interview with Nick Garone. Dude, let's let's just get into this. I've been researching Suffolk County this, League One that. I, you know, I'm from Chicago, so that all doesn't mean a lot to me, but I'm excited to get into it because I was reading about some old stories of back in the day. So if you're ready, we'll go right into it, Mr. <laughs> you got it, buddy. Yo, I mean, you know, coming from Suffolk County in New York, uh, you know, one of the hotbeds of wrestling around the country. We have such an incredible list and roster of incredible wrestlers that have done amazing things on the college level and uh, some international stuff. But it's, uh, it's, it was a great place to grow up if you're a wrestler. 
Jesse Jansen, that's his area, right? Yep. Jesse is like 15 minutes away from me. Yeah. You also have Carrie McCoy. You have Pete Yazo. You have, I mean, there's so many people, you know, I wish I had a list. I wish I, I, I knew that you were going to ask that question because there's probably about 30 for Carl Adams. Um, you know, uh, there's like probably 30, 40 major, major wrestling figures, you know, that have, have done incredible things in the sport right from Long Island. Is Tom Ryan from that part of the state? Another another Long Island guy. Yeah. Tom I figured Warner you went was, to Syracuse with him, right? Yeah, went to Syracuse with Tommy. Um, and then we both transferred out our my senior year, his junior year. And uh what an incredible, um, incredible inspiration Tommy was to me. Even at a young age, uh Tom Ryan, you know, now everybody knows him as the as the Ohio State coach and all the accolades and the great things that he's done in that program, coach of the year, national championship. But one of the things you don't know is when he was 18, 19 years old, he was the guy grabbing me at 11 o'clock at night and saying, hey, let's go for a drill. And I'd be like, this guy's out of his mind. And, uh, you know, me being the guy that I am, not the person that would initiate it, I would never say no. I would be like, all right, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. You know, even though I thought he was crazy, but just an incredible motivator and uh, not surprised that he's had incredible and tremendous success at the college level in coaching. He's one of those guys you just love being around. And when you leave, you're like, I want to be a better guy because I just hung out with Tom Ryan, you know? A hundred percent. He's, he, he is his attitude and the way he um, presents himself is infectious in regards to a positive attitude. Um, you know, the kids at wrestle for him, want to win for him. Um, you know, when you want to win for a coach, it's a, it's a, it's an ad, it's such an added thing. You know, you always want to win for yourself. You always want to win, but when you want to win, for your coach, that even takes your game to a whole nother level. I remember being uh, having Gray Simons in my corner uh, and Gene Mills had some great coaches in my corner. And, um, you know, you when you're out there, you feel like you have an extra an extra two point lead because you got those guys in your corner and, you know, you want to win for them. And it's an incredible feeling, you know? Yeah, it's I know exactly what you mean. And it's so crazy that you and Tom Ryan, 91, you were an All-American, but then a weight class up, you know, he has a burner with Pat Smith could have, could have won it easy. Um, but yeah, man, those are, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but let me start with this one. Yeah. Sixth grade. What's the grown household. Like when you start wrestling mom, dad, brothers, where'd you guys grow up? Um, we grew up in, in Patchogue, New York. Um, and, uh, you know, big high school, um, 850 people in our senior class, you know, um, in sixth grade, you know, I was, uh, I had a brother that was an amazing football player, all American, uh, in college, just got inducted into his college hall of fame. Um, and he was really a, a football legend in our area. And, uh, everybody was like, Hey, you know, you're going to be like your brother. You're going to be like your brother. And I kind of gravitated. I was always small for my, for my age. And I gravitated towards wrestling and I started having some success. And at that point, I was like, you know, I, I really I don't want to be known as Bobby Garone's brother. I want to be known as Nick Garone, maybe for my own, you know, kind of accolades in my own sport. And that's when I kind of really attached to wrestling, which we really never had a wrestling wrestler in the family and just really kicked in, found it uh, a great way to release some some built up uh, energy that I had at that age and just really got into it. And uh, and, and the rest is history. You know, I, I fell in love with the sport. Where did you learn that inside trip at? Um, that inside leg trip was inspired, was inspired by Jesse Reyes, um, uh, Cal State Bakersfield. Jesse Reyes uh, won a national title 
when I was in high school, I was a, I believe I was a uh, sophomore junior in high school. And I went to the national championships in Meadowlands and I saw Jesse Reyes hitting that inside leg trip. And he, I mean, he took that, that move to the house. I mean, he won a national title with it. And I always was, I always was curious on people knew it was coming, but he still got it. And I was, uh, and so I went to Syracuse and started, had a good feel for it. And Gene Mills uh, really kind of practiced with me because he had a decent inside leg trip. So I got better at that point. And then people started knowing that I used it. So they were stopping it. And when I went to Old Dominion, um, Gray Simons, he's one of the best technicians ever, ever to live in the sport of wrestling. And I mean, he's to me, he, even though he didn't win a, uh, an Olympic gold medal, he's one of the best wrestlers. I would say he should be in the top 10 of all time. And he showed me every position in the world to hit that from the, from, from outside, from a tie up, from an underhook, from an overhook. He showed me all different setups for it. And after a while, it really didn't matter. Guys knew it was coming and I still kind of got it on some good people. And, and uh, it just became kind of a staple, my bread and butter, you know, and, and uh, and 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 took it to a, to to a high level with it, you know, went to a high level with it. Wait, so you saw the nationals as a high school sophomore? Yeah, is that yeah. the biggest event in the world for you, or what? It was amazing. Um, the only reason we went, we would have never jumped on a plane. Um, the only reason I even went was because it was at the Meadowlands, uh, right? At, yeah. And What's that? At, What's Meadowlands like, for? Uh, not the Meadowlands, not the Meadowlands. It was at. Um, Oh my God, what was the arena? I think it was called something. I think it's Prudential Center now, but it was at one of those arenas in Jersey or okay. no, Nassau Coliseum, I think it was. Nassau Coliseum. And it was right on Long Island and we got to go watch it. And that's why I went to the event because it was right there. I wouldn't have jumped on a plane. My parents wouldn't have flew me out to, to watch it. So it was incredible to be that close to our, our you know, our home. Man, because a lot of guys in your generation, they'll say, including, you know, the Tom Ryans of the world, the first time they saw a college match was when they got on campus, you know, and so college yeah. wrestling wasn't around for the for the fans. But to see the Nationals as a high school sophomore, God, you, you must have on the way home from that trip been so fired up. Oh, my God, it was amazing. I mean, you know, Kevin Darkus, Barry uh, Davis, the Bannock brothers, um, you know, Schultz, all the Schultz brothers. I mean, all these guys that, you know, you read about in magazines. When I now, now think about this, we didn't have social media when I went to school. I graduated in 86. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have any videos. We couldn't we couldn't really, um, you know, scout anyone. Um, all we did was read. So I read about these unbelievable famous guys from Iowa and Dan Gable and, you know, and all these great wrestlers and, you know, and, and uh, all the college guys I would see in the different magazines, USA Wrestling magazines. And, um, you know, we really didn't even have internet. <laughs> it blows my mind, actually, as I'm saying this. It blows my mind. We really didn't have computers. Think about it. I mean, we had them, but we didn't use them to do this. We used them to do schoolwork. We used them to do kind of a paper. But we didn't use it for this. So think about it. We really read about our legends and our heroes. And, uh, and Gene Mills was one of my heroes, you know, and that's why I went to Syracuse. But um. We got to a point where I read about these guys and then I got to see him. And I remember, this is a great story. I remember at the Nationals, Ryan, where I was floating around the hallways and I was walking around the hallways and I saw the guys, you know, now I'm used to it. Now I'm around all these guys. But, you know, you see the guys that place and win the Nationals. They're walking around with their parents, you know, in the arena. And I remember 
how amazed I was as a kid that these guys were like actually, you know, right next to me. They were only 20, <laughs> 21 year old kids. But I was like, oh my God, there's Barry Davis. And I would go over to Barry Davis. And I'd be like, hi, uh, I'm Nick Garone. Nice to meet you. I'm like, and he'd be like, hey, how you doing, kid? You know, what's going on? And, you know, he's only, think about it, looking back, he was only 21 years old. And it was just an amazing feeling for me. So driving back, <laughs> I'm giving you the long answer. Driving back to the arena, it was unbelievable to be able to see these guys in person. It was amazing. It was an amazing feeling. Gosh, I can't, I didn't know that. That's so cool. And so I know exactly what you mean. The first time I went to one of those big events, it was the 04 Olympic trials. I was in eighth grade. My mom took me and I snuck into the warm up area. And just to see the guys warm it up, I'm like, oh my, I couldn't believe it. So, yeah, when you leave an event like that, they, you know, they call it an ignition event and it's just life changing. So, when you went to that, you were in high school. But one of the things I was reading back in the 80s to get to the state tournament in New York, you had to win the Suffolk County Championships, right? Yes. Yes. How many good guys never made it out? Thousands. Thousands. <laughs> That's insane. Um, and 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 if you think about it, I think about the great wrestlers that were never recruited that lost in overtime, lost by a point, lost on a bad call that literally could have went up the next week and walked through the state tournament because the guy that beat them in our sectional tournament beat them like on a maybe got lucky that week or had a better match or had a better call or it was overtime or those guys went and walked through the states. And I always think about those guys and I say to myself, oh, my God, like they could have definitely won the states my junior year. I lost in overtime to the guy that won the OW of our section, right? And I lost him in overtime, won the OW in our section, then went up and won and won OW of the state championships. Now, I'm not saying I would have won it, but I could have. I could have definitely played second, third, or fourth in the state as a junior, but I never got the opportunity to do that. So it was kind of a situation where the only time I ever got to the state championships was as a senior, and I won them, you know, thank God. But I think of all the great wrestlers, it's, it's such a great thing and, and insight on your part to even ask that question because I think of the great wrestlers that never even had an opportunity. Now there's wild cards. They take the top two. There's a bunch of guys. There's guys that actually have done what I said. They'll lose the week before and they'll go up, they'll take second in our section, and then they'll beat the guy in the state finals and be a state champ. So it's happened a, a dozens of times, you know? So it's, it's, it, was, uh, it, was, uh, it was tough to see some of those guys lose, needless to say. It just, it really stood out to me because I was thinking, you know, back then without all the recruiting, you know, coverage that we have now, you think about all the guys who maybe their life could have been changed to get one phone call from a college coach, their whole family, you know, their whole life has changed because now they got a college student in the family, but they never had that chance because apparently he had to win this tournament, the Suffolk, or I, I don't know what it was exactly called, but. Yeah, section 11 yeah. championships, yeah. Crazy. It, it, so. It, it, it really, it was, it was unbelievable, you know, and like, like you said, some of these guys were great wrestlers and colleges didn't really know about them because they didn't want a state title. So, so what was your mindset after your junior year of not making it just heartbroken or I was heartbroken, but I, you know, back then it was the system. So I, I kind of dealt with it. I went up and I won the, and that year I went up and I won the state championships in freestyle and Greco. Um, that year at a different weight than the, than the kid that beat me and things. We went separate ways because we had become friends and I won the state and I went to, uh, which you and I, which is now the equivalent of Fargo and, uh, didn't place, but had a really good year. And, um, uh, after that, I was kind of on a mission, 
You know, I was like, I know I'm the best in the state. I won the freestyle, won the Greco, lost the overtime to the OW in the state tournament. I know I'm good enough to win this thing. So I came back in a vengeance my senior year. So it really motivated me. Um, you know, would have loved to have gone up there and been able to represent and maybe place or win it as a junior. But I don't, you know, sometimes you never know. Things happen for a reason. You know, maybe I would have been displacing. Maybe I wouldn't have worked as hard as a senior. Um, you know, I, ne I left nothing on the table as a senior. Um, I had to win that New York State title, you know. Man, you got it done. You go to Syracuse. Were you ever seriously considering anywhere else? I was actually in a lot of talks who I really loved um, at the time. I loved Stan Abel. And we had a, some great conversations back then. And, you know, he was at Oklahoma, mm -hmm. uh, the Sooners. And uh, also I was considering Lehigh. You know, they were kind of a big powerhouse at the time. And uh, so those were two things. But I, I... Gene Mills was my idol and Gene was at Syracuse and Gene kind of really, in a way we laugh about it. Now he kind of ruined my recruiting for me because he was telling everybody, Oh, don't even go after him. He's definitely coming to Syracuse. He's my boy. <laughs> so, you know, we laugh about it now, but I'm like, you realize what you did to me. You ruined, you, you really got me, you ruined trips for me and opportunities for me to go look at other places. He says, Garon, there was no other place you were going, but Syracuse. So, you know, so it was kind of a situation where, yes, I was leaning towards there, but um, had some conversation, you know, UNC with Bill Lamb at mm -hmm. the time, great coach, great program. Um, so a couple of different schools, but uh, Syracuse was the school because of Gene. And when you got there, were you and Tom Ryan the same class or was his brother already there? His brother was already there and uh, he was a year younger than us. And then when I turned, when I became a sophomore, well, at the end of my freshman year, Tom was being recruited. And we had been rivals in high school, myself and Tom. Okay. We wrestled the same weight and in the state championships, his junior, my senior year. And uh, I beat Tom in like a barn burner, um, beat Tom Ryan in a barn burner. And I went to him and I said, listen, Tommy, I know that we've had our issues. I know that you really, you know, don't like me because we wrestle each other. And, you know, you, you basically were the best guy in the state that year. Um, he was ranked first all year. I kind of, it was really in all sense of purposes was an upset. Um, he had placed, I think, third the year before in the States when I didn't go. Um, and I said, listen, I said, let's forget all that. I said, come to Syracuse. It'll be me, you, your brother. We could really build a powerhouse. Just please come. And, and so I kind of convinced him to come and he came and we had a couple of really good, solid years. We were top, you know, 10 program, 15, pro, uh, top 10 program for a couple of years. It's so funny you say that because I'm connecting dots now. I last interviewed Tom Ryan like a year and a half ago, and he talked about that upset. And I never knew who it was until you just said it right yeah. there. That was you. Yeah. Holy yeah. smokes. I mean, I mean, Tom, We. I mean, literally, I remember that match. There's certain matches that stick out in your head so vividly. And that match, I remember so vividly because Tom, I beat him three to two. It was two to two with like a 10, 11 seconds left. And I got out to beat him. But Tom had my leg up in the air, probably about three minutes out of six minutes. He got in on my leg and I just had a wrist and an overhook. And I just somehow, he did not finish on me like four five, six times. And you know, like 15, 20, 30 seconds, me fighting and he didn't finish on me. And it came down to the third period where I was down, it was two, two and got out and beat him literally with 10 seconds left, you know, kind of circled up beat him three to two at the end of the match. And it was one of those deals where I really looking back was like, I just won the state title. I just won. It was the quarterfinals, 
because there was no seating back then. Oh my God. So I'm like, uh, so I had to wrestle. It should have been the finals. That match was a definite final match. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, I'm in the semis. I got a guy I know I can beat. On the other side, whoever came out of our side of the bracket was like the favorite to win. And I'm like, I, I just have to stay focused here. I'm going to win this thing after I beat him. So it was an amazing feeling. And, you know, obviously I know it, it was a heartbreaker for him, but um, I love Tommy. We're good friends, man. And, you know, we've become very, very dear friends. And I really think, looking back, I think that what happened in high school made him the great wrestler. And I mean great. You know, he was right up there in his college days. Great wrestler he was in college because he was always working and pushing to be the best. And uh, and I think it motivated him. Losses like that motivate people. And you were talking before, he, his work ethic back then was like oh. Gable-esque. I mean, so when you guys got to Syracuse, when you give us an example maybe of what it was. Well, when I when he got to Syracuse, I mean, I listen, I'm I'll be the first to admit, I don't love to work out, right? I but I'm also have a huge ego. So if I thought somebody was gonna beat me, that would get me out of bed in the morning. Or if I knew I had a big match coming up, or if I knew that I wasn't in great shape, rather than look like an idiot or or lose a match that I could have won. That would get me out of bed. That would get me to the mats. That would get me things. And everybody has their own motivation. Some people just love to work out. There are people, they love to work out. They love to do that. They love to get in the gym. Tommy was that guy. And that's why Tommy was so good for me in those, uh, in those years of me, uh, you know, being an All-American and kind of stuff like that, because he showed me what it really takes. Um, and he made me a, a more mentally tough person. He made me a, a, a he, he gave me a very, very good core belief of how working out and training and preparing yourself was so important, um, you know, to, to be successful. And that's why I, I, I look at him as a college coach and I'm like, I, I get it, man. I get it. Why guys are drawn to him and college kids do great under his tutelage. Yeah, he's had so many of those moments where at the time it was a huge disappointment, like, you know, not beating uh, Pat Smith or. Or, or that match with you. And it turns out, you know, everything's meant, you know, everything happens for a reason, as you said earlier. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this. Why did you transfer out of Syracuse? Transferred out of Syracuse at the time we had, you know, without getting into a bunch of, you know, different things, we had a, a bunch of uh, guys on the team and, and, and we had a great solid, if we would have came, everybody came back that year. Um, Jason Morris, who was an All-American, took a red shirt year that year, which we would have convinced him to try to hang tight and not do that. Uh, he was a silver medalist in the Olympics in judo, so he, wow. he had to red shirt. We had Mark Kerr coming back that year. Yep. Me, myself, Tom Ryan, Darren Shulman, All-American, Tom Ryan, All-American, me, All-American, Mark Kerr, national champion. Um, we had uh, Rick Santana, two-time All-American at 26. We had a guy who was ranked third in the country, one Matt Town, uh, Jimmy Fussell at 18. We would have, we, I'm not even joking, we would have had an opportunity at, without a doubt, probably being in the top three in the country, top two in the country that year. Definitely getting a trophy as a team. And we all left. Uh, Jason Morris, um, uh, uh, you know, took a red shirt. Um, I left to go to uh, Old Dominion. Tommy went to Iowa. I think Tommy always wanted to go to Iowa. You know, and um, I think after a couple of disappointments and not winning the EIWAs, I think he felt like he needed to be in a different atmosphere in a different room. Uh, my 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 reasoning was, you know, I had I had some issues, uh, some personal issues 
with, uh, you know, not too proud to say, but with my hands mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and got in trouble. Um, had a couple of incident, incidents on campus and uh, was kind of on borderline, double, triple secret probation and, uh, and gotten one more incident and uh, was asked to take off a semester. And rather than ta- take off a semester, I was like, I'm just going to leave and wrestle. And so that was my, my situation. But um, so that was a big breaking point for you in your life that you could have gone either way at that point. You could have yeah. maybe dropped out and just gone back to your hometown, but instead you kept at it and found a new mentor at ODU. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I actually consider that. I considered about just saying, you know, I'm done, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I'm not going to wrestle anymore. I, you know, I, I did what I had to do, you know, and, and I, I'm not going to fulfill my dream of being an NCAA champ. But the one motivating thing was, is I, I went to the year before that I had beaten three all Americans. I beat uh, Charles Waters from Cornell who took fourth. I forget the, the kid's name from uh, Indiana. He had taken sixth and Darren Schulman who was my backup at the time, um, the year before that, um, he had started, uh, after that, but, um, I, you know, I knew I could beat him. He took eighth and I was sitting in the crowd in Maryland. I'll never forget. And I said, Oh my God, I have to go back my senior year. I have to wrestle. I was like, I can win this. I can really, really win this event. And I would, and I knew I, I didn't want to be 40, 50 years old sitting on a couch somewhere saying, you know what, what if, what if I didn't go, you know, what if I went back and, and I went back and I didn't win it, but I placed and I was an All-American and that shaped my life, you know, being an All-American shaped my life in a lot of ways. So I'm glad I went back. I love those turning point moments where it, sometimes it's a low point. Most of the time it's a low point and it seems like the worst thing in the world's happening to you. But if you just get through it, a lot can happen. That's exactly what happened to me. That's a verbatim. So Gray Simons, I, I'll admit, I did not even know the name before this podcast, and I'm embarrassed to say it, but now I know two-time Olympian, three-time NCAA champ, the only wrestler to ever be a two-time OW uh, at the NCAA tournament. He was kind of like the godfather of ODU wrestling. Talk yeah. about him from a like, a like a mentor and a coaching standpoint. What did he bring to the table? He was an amazing, calming influence to me. Um, he was a guy that taught me a tremendous amount of uh, the ability to be composed. Um, and that made me grow significantly as a wrestler. And uh, he, he, I was very composed after I was with him. He was also a guy that handled each particular wrestler different. I was a guy that if I didn't work out, I would be nervous. I would be like, oh my God, you know, I didn't work out or blah, blah, blah. And, and he was the type of guy that he always added positivity to everything. You know, he would say, well, you wrestled five matches this weekend in a tournament. And I'd be like, well, yeah, but I didn't practice yesterday. He's like, so what? Or I would be practicing too much. And he would say, you're not allowed to come to practice today. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he'd be like, listen, you've been lifting, swimming, practicing, drilling. You're coming at night. You're lifting. He's like, I want you to take a day or two off. And I'd be like, I, I, what? And he'd be like, you need to take a day off. And those types of things showed me so much. It taught me a lot about my body, taught me a lot about how to focus. And more importantly, it showed me how to peak for the top, top events. Um, there was a lot of times when I was even all the way through, never really peaked at my best. And he got me to a point where 
he got me a perfect balance of an ebb and flow of peaking at the right time. And he helped me so much tremendously mentally and, you know, workout wise and, and just uh, wasn't a loud guy, you know, so you had to, you had to sit back and you had to really listen to him. You know, it wasn't a guy screaming all the time where you were like, okay, yeah, he's just yelling again. He's one of these guys. He's a yeller. You know, he's trying to get me motivated by getting in my face. I respected him so much because he didn't do that. You know, he, he was a guy that put his arm around me and said, Hey, listen, this is what we need to do. And those guys, I always, I was a type of guy. Some guys you need to grab them by the shirt and say, Hey, listen, get your ass in gear and get going. Mm-hmm. I was the type of guy that needed the arm around the shoulder. The guy that said, Hey, Nick, man, we're going to do this. We're going to make it work. And then I would go through a brick wall. I would go through a fire for that person. And he, he got me, you know, and, and he really did a tremendous amount for me, not just for wrestling, but also for uh, me as a man and as a person um, and, to, and dedication and things like that. Just, just an amazing man. Amazing man. I love him. I love Grace. I'm, I'm, I'm upset that I don't get to speak to him all the time. You know, I wish I could speak to him and see him more. How crushing was it when ODU dropped the program last year under the under the under the like the veil of the night? People forget it even was dropped. I feel like it happened so quick, you know. Yeah, it was uh, it was disgusting the way the administration did that. Um, it was it was absolutely uh, I was repulsed by the administration the way they they handled that issue. Um, they didn't even give them. You know, usually people that are stand up people, people that um, are. Uh, uh, have empathy and have uh, some kind of love for, for any kind of student athlete would have at least said, Hey guys, listen, we're in trouble here. We got to, you know, we, we got some commitments. We have X, Y, Z, we need to do this, or we're, we're going to, we're thinking about dropping the program. No, none of that. No warning. No, uh, you know, uh, I spoke even to Steve Martin about it. He's like, it just literally happened within two weeks. And they just cut the program. They didn't give anybody an opportunity. There's a lot of alumni in that Chesapeake area and a lot of people nationally that would have helped financially to keep that program going. And they didn't even give us an opportunity. So for that, um, I really, I mean, shame on them. Shame on the administration, the AD and the athletic department for what they did. Um, And the one thing that really hurt me the most, uh, and it's a personal thing, is we, all the All-Americans that went there, we had our plaques up that were in the athletic hall as All-Americans for that school. We wore their uniform. We wore their logos. And when they dropped the program, they sent, they took our plaques off the wall and they sent them back to us, which is absolutely, I mean, unreal to me. That's disgusting. It's, It's disgusting. And it was like we never existed. It's like we never just says there's, there's there's programs that have dropped in the past, but you at least honor the people that were there and competed and became an all American and brought notoriety to the school and 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 worked hard and and you know through blood, sweat, and tears, you know, really put it all on the line and they sent us back our plaques. It was just like a not only were we dropping the program, not only did we do this in the in the dead of night, but we're also gonna just completely shit on you and you know, and like you never existed. And I spoke to a lot of other guys that had placed same thing. They all got their plaques back and it was just disgusting, man. It really was disheartening. The thing I don't understand about when these programs are dropped, it seems like they don't have the decency to consult their business partners, i.e. the coaches and say, Hey, 
we have a budget shortfall. How can we make this up? And nine times out of 10, the wrestling community steps up just like they did for Stanford. And I don't know if you saw, but just an hour ago, they, they reinstated the program at Stanford. No, I didn't. All 11 sports were oh reinstated. Oh my God. That's amazing. But it just goes to show if they, if amazing. these programs would just oh, say, I, Hey, yeah. Amazing. Right. And uh, it's just like, why, where's the decency of just coming out and saying, Hey, we're having some problems. Let's talk about it. Um, let's go back to your senior year though, because that's, that's when the all American happened. And, you know, anytime there's a nationals in Iowa city, it's awesome. 1991, Iowa had the dream team. And so I'm sure Carver was going crazy. What's your fondest memory of that 91 Nationals? My fondest memory? Well, there's two. I have to do two. I, I remember wrestling the first day when I lost, right? Um, I was so upset. I mean, I lost by a point to Whitman and uh, thought I was a lot better than him. Great guy, by the way. I, I know him and a uh, great guy, but I thought it was a lot better than him. Kept it too close, lost at the end. And I was so upset and I remember... It was like about 20 seconds left on the clock. I was down by a point against a kid from Oklahoma. And um, I got in on a pop and post position and he had my ankles. And, and I remember looking over at Grace Simons and his face. And he was just like, and it was, it was the clock was ticking. I was actually looking at the clock. It's nine seconds left. And to this day, I don't know what possessed this guy to do that, but he let go of my ankle. And I shot my arm through and wrapped around his back and jammed him. And literally at the whistle, you know, the referee said two. And it was like two, one beeper, you know, horn rather. And I beat him 10-9 in like the last like three seconds. And I remember Gray Simons' face like he was like this. He was like, you know, because he thought I was out. He thought I was done. It would have been my second loss. Then I went on to beat like everybody by a point or overtime. You know, it's like every match is a bummer. Meanwhile, some of the guys that I beat and I would have tacked in a dual meet, but I was just, I, all I was doing, I was like, I'm beating everybody point by point. I'm just going to keep winning. I'm just going to keep winning. And that's what I did. And the second memory, which was really cool, was I wrestled uh, um, Terry Steiner to go for third and fourth or fifth and sixth. And it was an overtime match. And I remember the crowd. I never, ever heard the crowd in my life when I wrestled. It was almost like weird, like you're kind of in this like trance. It's like you're in your bubble and, and wrestlers know this feeling. And I'll never forget that I actually heard the crowd. Like I remember literally like, like saying, whoa, that, like I'm, I'm hearing, I heard voices. He's stalling, you know, about me. And I was pissed because I'm going, I'm not stalling. And I was like thinking that the ref was going to like listen to these people. And it was the first time ever I heard things like that around me. I was like so weird. And the next, very next match, now I have to wrestle Chesbro to go for fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth, right? And it was when it went from them screaming and yelling crazy shit at me to completely loving me <laughs> 40 minutes later, go yelling my name because I must have like proved myself to them because they were like, oh my God, this guy took Steiner into overtime and he's a stud, this guy from Old Dominion. Where And at Old Dominion at the time was like, like wasn't even a program really, you know, it was like, we were nowhere in sight. We weren't a top 20 program. We weren't anywhere. And, uh, and the only reason I went there was because of Gray Simons, you know, because I, he knew he was there and it was like, this isn't going to, this will, I need to be with Gray. So I went there, but I remember the next, the next match I wrestled Chesbro 
Now I'm just an Oklahoma State guy in Iowa. And the place was going nuts. Hey, Garone, no, Garone, let's go, kid. You know, and they were rooting for me. So it was so it was such a great feeling. And I remember when I beat him, um, it was a big win for me, obviously. But I remember going through the tunnel at, at uh, Carver Hawkeye Arena and all the Iowa people were screaming at me going, yo, way to go, ODU, way to go. And like, it was just so, it was, it was, I remember that so vividly and it was a great, great time for me. It felt great to do that. That's yeah. incredible. I love, uh, I love when you, whenever there's a, you know, a real team rivalry and back then I Oklahoma state had real hatred going on between them and oh, yeah. it, it brings it out, you know? So, so after your wrestling career, you've been a real entrepreneur in the wrestling world and you have a lot of different things going on. I'd love to just know, how did you get tied into this Spartan combat Kyle Dake world? I know you go way back with Dake. Talk us through your kind of your Jerry Maguire life, as I call it. Yeah, well, out of uh, out of college, um, I was uh, went to uh, back to Syracuse coach for a little bit as a graduate assistant. And after that, I started a company called Excel. And we were a uh, marketing company for professional athletes because I knew a lot of guys from Syracuse, like Moose Johnston from the Cowboys and, you know, and, and um, Tim Green and Derek Coleman and from in the NBA and called all these guys. And I said, I'd love to do your marketing for you. And we, we did some Nike deals and got my feet wet. And then I started representing uh, uh, individuals as their agent in the boxing world. And so that to, to kind of jump forward and get to where uh, Kyle Dake was, I kind of took a little sabbatical from management and there wasn't really a lot of manage managers slash agents in the world of wrestling. And uh, uh, Jordan Burroughs had signed with an agency. So a light bulb went off in my head and I said, you know what? I'm going to, I know Rob Cole real well. He trusts me. We know each other for years. I'm going to pitch Kyle on managing him. And, um, and went up there and met with him at the time, you know, didn't really speak, couldn't speak business because he was still an athlete. But right after uh, the nationals, I went to Kyle and I said, Kyle, do me one favor. Please do not sign with anyone until we meet. Just give me that. Do me that one favor. You don't have to, uh, sign with me. You don't have to do it. Just let me give you my pitch prior to signing with somebody big, because a lot of people going IMG and a lot of people want to sign because that was kind of the thing to do in 2013 with Burroughs and everything else. And I met with him and I said, listen, I said, I said, Kyle, these guys have great resumes. These guys, these agents for these things, but you know, they also have guys like Peyton Manning. They also have guys that are making 15, $20 million in endorsements. And I can tell you, I can promise you one thing. I'll work for you. I'll bust my ass and you will be on my mind every day. I don't have 1500 clients. I, I'll have one client and it will be you. And I will give you that. And I'll focus on your, on your world. So I got to meet him that way, started managing him, got some deals, not crazy deals, but got some decent deals. And then a friendship had created. And when we were going to look at doing, we got out of an apparel contract. When we started doing that, I started going around and people weren't really offering a lot of money. And I said to him, I said, Kyle, I said, why don't I says, we kind of dabbled in this apparel world a little bit. Why don't we start our own company? And he said, you know, Nick, do you think you can handle that? It's, you know, it's a lot to do. And I said, I think I can. And we started X athletic mm -hmm. and uh, he's been great. He's been loyal ever since he's been unbelievable. And then about four or five months ago, three, four months ago, I saw that Spartan was sponsoring the combat um, and, you know, no Cole, no Mike Gray and all those guys are my buddies. And so I called up Joe DeSena, who I had already known. Yep. And my reason for calling him was to say, hey, 
I want to sponsor the team. I want X athletic to be the official apparel of Spartan combat. And I'll give all the uniforms. I'll do everything I want to sponsor. And Joe said to me, listen, there might be a bigger play here. And I said, oh, really? I said, well, what do you got in mind? And he said, listen, I, I really think that everything is kind of like the pieces of the puzzle could come together. We're, we're going to get into the, the uh, event side. You know, you have, a, you have a background in events. We, we want to get into the apparel. Rest. We're already in the apparel business in Spartan Race. We're already in that business. Um, but we, we really don't have a wrestling department of that brand. Um, you have Kyle, which makes sense because he's with us. He's going to wear your stuff anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and everything just started to flow together. And the pieces of the puzzle started to, 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 to fall in place. And when that happened, we realized that uh, this would be a great fit. Um, you know, and, and, and from there, Joe and myself kind of merged businesses where, you know, Spartan, it is Spartan, but it's Spartan X apparel and, and, you know, kind of will slowly migrate into more of a Spartan vibe. X would be our premium brand, kind of like our Air Jordan. So guys like Kyle and Yanni and people like that, and the best teams in the country would wear that X as part of our premium brand. Um, but, but, uh, but that'll, that'll take, you know, that'll, that'll take a little bit to kind of migrate into that. And I'll tell you right now, the last couple of months have been a blessing. Uh, being around Joe DeSena, being around the Spartan family, having that, uh, I feel like I never really had uh, a support system when I was doing this on my own. You know, it was just me. Now, if I need something, I'm like, Joe, you know, I'm having a little bit of trouble or I need help with this. Within literally within two minutes, you know, Joe, within two minutes, he's got me on the phone with somebody going, Nick, Joe, Joe, Nick, hey, why don't you do this? And blah, blah, blah. Hey, Nick needs help with this. And it's just unbelievable. And he he's an amazing guy. Uh, and I, I really, really have gotten a chance to really learn him and know him and, and get to, to really be around him. And I, I feel blessed to be in his world. He's a great guy. We feel the same way about it. And like he's just I don't think people realize in the wrestling world. One, how big Spartan is. It's a worldwide operation. Uh, yeah. Even their gear line, they have a whole, you know, they're they're doing this themselves. They have a whole, uh, what's the word I'm going for? Like, kind of like warehouse assembly line type deal. So they yeah. have the infrastructure already. Yes. And the fact that he's in wrestling is amazing for wrestling. He just gives so much, you know, really of his is. time, of his money to wrestling. He'll do anything, you know. He's so great for the sport. Um, I could tell you, man, I, Having a guy like him that really loves the sport of wrestling just makes me smile because he is so into it. He told me something about a month ago, and it made me really excited. He said to me, we were on a phone call, and we were going back and forth about a bunch of different things. And he's like, hey, I got this idea growing, and I got this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to bring it to this level, and we're going to blah, blah, blah. And I'm listening to him, and I'm getting all jacked up and shit, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is freaking great. And he said to me, um, he goes, you know, I haven't really been this excited. He goes, since we started the Spartan race, he goes, I feel like I'm at that stage again. And it got me even more jacked up. And he's the type, he's a great Simons in my life. He's the type of guy that I would walk through fire for. I would walk through a wall for because number one, he doesn't just talk the talk. He walks the walk. Number two, he's all in. And number three, he'll do whatever it takes. He could sit back and he could hire 50 people to do 50 different jobs and, and everybody just kind of report to him and he could sit back on a golf course. He's in it. He's in it 100%. He's working every day. He want, he's on top of it. He doesn't ask me or anyone around him, not one person, um, to do something that he would not do himself. 
And that to me is a great leader. You know, he'll jump right in the foxhole with me. And that's, you know, you, that's priceless, you know? And he could all, no matter what, you could always get a hold of him. Like he'll call you back within 30 seconds. I'm like, how do you call me back at the same rate? You're calling your business people back. Yeah. I don't it, understand it. It's baffling. It's baffling. I, I was with uh, him at the, uh, at the Olympic trials. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm like, you know, I know how my phone is. My phone's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, his never stops because he's got race people. He's got this people. He's got combat. He's got all. And I'm with him. I'm driving him around like a chauffeur. We're going back into the venue and, and his phone's not stopping. So after that trip, he was answering my phone right away and my calls and everything. But after that trip, I stopped calling him as much. I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, this guy is so gracious. And he takes my calls and calls me right back and everything. I go, I can't believe his phone and the way he is. But he does it. He does it. He never, ever is. Re he's relentless. He yeah. is Joe DeSena is relentless. And that to me, I mean, I, I is amazing. I mean, he's an amazing dude, man. Well, I'm glad to be a small part of it. Obviously, Spartan Combat is the title sponsor for this podcast, Wrestling Changed My Life, and it's an honor to be a part of it and just to be able to go out and hang out with the Spartan RTC guys and film the series we filmed. It's awesome. I always thought, Nick, I go, how the hell does Kyle Dake not have his own wrestling shoe? So I don't know if you know something you can't tell us, but hopefully we'll see a shoe, a shoe soon because, yeah, like you said before, he's the Dan Gable of our era when it comes to, to wrestling, Kyle yeah. Dake. No doubt about it. And uh, and I think he's he's that guy that could be a gable. He's a gable guy. He's a he's a guy that I think 20, 30 years from now, kids will still be speaking about just like Dan Gable. And there's a lot of great wrestlers out there. But his marketability and the way uh, Kyle is as a person and the way he is with uh, with the way he handles himself is tremendous and professional. And I, I got a feeling, Ryan, people are going to not be let down on that shoe. Uh, I think I Come might on, have baby. like a little, I think I might have a little secret that I might want to maybe talk to you about maybe in about two or three weeks. Perfect, man. Well, maybe we'll have you back on. We can do a little unveiling here. Dude, it was great to meet you. And I can't wait to meet in person again. And for folks listening, Spartan Combat National Tournament this weekend, Jacksonville, Florida. I've heard a lot of people have messaged me. Uh, Eric Larkin, a, a Arizona State great wrestler. He's taking a squad out there to the Spartan combat Nationals, So I'm excited for it this weekend. Uh, I assume you're, I know you're heading out. Um, what do you, let, let's close with this. What are your expectations for this first inaugural event here? Uh, I think it's going to be incredible. You know, obviously the numbers, we could have better numbers, but uh, with competing with so many different events, but I think it's going to be an incredible foundation that we're going to lay uh, for the future for this event. I think this every year, this Spartan Nationals is going to be our Super Bowl. It's going to be our big event. And we're going to put every single resource behind it. We're going to make sure, you know, even the people that aren't coming to this event all know about it. Mm -hmm. So we've done a great job marketing it. We've done a great job letting people know about it. And we'll get better with uh, dates. I think we're going to change, tweak the date next year a little bit to make it where kids don't have to choose. Um, and uh, But listen, we are so excited. There's so many great people going to be down there. It's going to be an incredible event. We got some great teams. I mean, some of the best teams in the United States of America, club teams are going to be competing against one another. So we can hang our hat on that. And there's some great individuals at the Southeast Regionals. We're combining with them. So there's so many great things that are happening this weekend, and I'm so excited. So I hope to see a lot of people down there. And just let's close. With, I know I said let's close with the last question, but when you say the club teams, that's what unique about this event. You got beach wrestling. You got some freestyle, some Greco, some folk. You got some club duels. 
and you are a legendary coach of Team Kong NHSCA days. So are you taking that same club model to this? Like, how is that all fitting in? We have a really actually the brainchild of, of that team is Anthony Cialino. Okay. Um, I'm kind of like an assistant to him, but I've been in the corner every national title, been a part of it. I am a part of Kong. Um, but Anthony Cialino has been unbelievable uh, as far as putting that together and creating that that aura about that all-star team. And yes, we will be competing both weekends, the Spartan Nationals, and then the following week in Virginia Beach to, to defend our title and go for the fifth straight national title. So thank Love you it. so much for mentioning that. Of course, Nick Garone, a pleasure to have you on, sir. Good luck this weekend and we'll talk soon, my man. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. And that's the end of this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. Thank you so much for tuning in. To watch the full video interview, go to YouTube Wrestling Changed My Life. And that's it. We'll see you next time.